Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and right there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, hi. So it's just you and me today. Yes. And a report. Lots so, of statistics. Oh, my gosh. So much, so much data. So much data to talk data. about. This is the result of, and we just have to say quite kindly, thank you to everyone in our member community who agreed to fill out this job survey that we started when we started our job series nay, many weeks ago, uh, because we have the results. We've looked at the, the, the surveys closed. We've looked at all the results, and we're really excited to talk about some of the interesting things that came out of the uh, your submissions and see if how this aligns to you, fair listener, with your experience at work. And can we suss out any trends that, that might help us to think broadly about ADHD at work. Before we dig in, please head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. And don't forget the community, y'all. Uh, we live on Discord. TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord will take you to the invitation and login page for our general community. And if this show has ever touched you or changed your life with ADHD for the better, we hope you'll consider supporting the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show and add new features and invest more heavily in our community. One of the ways we do that is with the placeholder uh, uh, podcast that we do just for our members. And the next episode that we are recording is with you, Nikki. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I know. You've you've never really been on placeholder. And no. so we're doing it it will be both your first time on the show and our very first unboxing. We're going yes. to first dust off and then <laughs> unbox your years old Apple pencil and talk through some ways you might be able to use it and get a little bit more out of your device. Are you Does excited the Apple at all? pencil I am. Does the Apple pencil like is it like the iPhone? where I'm like at the very last, you know, my edition that I have is so old that it's not going to work anymore. It is, I believe you have the same edition of the Apple Pencil, but you know, we should probably check that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever asked. It hasn't been updated in a while. There are two versions of the Apple Pencil and I think the one you have is the one we need to talk about. I sure hope so. <laughs> Me too. Okay. <laughs> taking that offline for later. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to get access to that. Live streams. If you're a member, you can come and listen to the show as it is produced live. Uh, and uh, of course, get access to all of the super, super secret community channels in our Discord server. Patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Thank you so much. This week's episode is brought to you by Text Expander, one of the best invisible tools in my tool chest. Here's how it works. If there's a piece of text that I type more than once, that's a signal that I need to add it to Text Expander. I keep my most used emails, phrases, text messages, URLs, and more right in my Text Expander library. A snippet can include text, links, images, code, account numbers, addresses, whatever you want. The trick is, for each one of those snippets in my library, I assign a unique abbreviation. Then I expand it. I can deploy the content I need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps I use. I just type the abbreviation for the snippet I'm looking for and boom, text expanded. You can get your whole team or family access to all the content they need to use every day, organize it by department and group and make sure that all your snippets are used consistently wherever they're needed. Now, 
This month, we're talking about the job survey. And wow, if there was ever a place for Text Expander, it's in the job hunt. So many placements now are calling for you to fill out forms. And so many of those forms are asking for the same stuff over and over and over again. How do you keep it straight? Simple. In Text Expander, you create a folder called Job Hunt. In that folder, you create your snippets. And for every major section of your resume, you have a separate snippet. Use a trigger character like, say, the ampersand before each snippet so that you can keep them all organized. Then you blaze through these forms by just typing ampersand con for contact information and ampersand ref for references and so on and so on and so on. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And for listeners of the ADHD podcast, you can get 20% off your first year of service. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash TextExpander and you'll be whisked over to our page on their site where you can get started. Again, if you get started now, you'll save 20% off your subscription. The way we work is changing rapidly. Make work work the way your brain works by saying more in less time and with less effort using Text Expander. Our great thanks to the Text Expander team for sponsoring the ADHD podcast. All right, it's time for stats. All right, everybody, we did we did this job series and we asked you to fill out a survey to find more about uh, your work habits and the results are in. So we're going to explore your answers uh, to our questions. Uh, right. Before we dive in, we want to say a big thank you to everyone who participated in the ADHD job survey. Uh, we had an overwhelming number of responses for us, uh, and we so appreciate those who offered their time and attention to complete the survey itself. Uh, but we know it, 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 it wasn't a, a non-ask. Like it, It's not easy to sit down and think and reflect the way you did. In total, we had 63 people who completed the survey anonymously. None of the questions required an answer, so some questions received less data overall uh, as you uh, fair respondents skipped. Usually when the question being asked did not pertain to the person taking the survey, we, we get it. Uh, the survey was made up of a total of 20 questions. Seven of those questions were multiple choice, and the remainder of the questions asked for explanation. Uh, so we're not going to read everything on the show today uh, because we're... That would be a long we're humans, show. That's ridiculous, and this will take forever. Uh, so uh, we're going to highlight the responses that we received, and I'm really excited, Nikki, now that you've had a chance to digest this as, as a coach. Uh, I want to hear what you find most interesting, the patterns that you see uh, that are consistent across the responses. So yes. here we yes. are. Let's Where would you like to start? Go for it. Well, let's start with the first one. Current are you, employment. Yeah. Employment. Are you currently employed? Okay. Out of 63 responses, 60% said you were currently employed by a company. 14.3% are self-employed, 9.5% are unemployed. And we also had uh, those who are retired, full-time students, stay-at-home caregivers, living with a disability, or some combination of those answers. What do you see in this, in this response? I'm a little surprised that the 14% are self-employed. I thought it would have been higher. Yeah, I, that's that's definitely one uh, for me. I think there, I think there are two actually for for me. That one is one. The other one is the of our respondents, the number of people who are unemployed, uh, because it is 
certainly higher than the national unemployment rate. That's a good point, right? Right now, the national unemployment rate is 3.7% as of May 2023. Um, So there are jobs out there in spite of all of the, um, you know, of all of the the hue and cry about the tech sector fleecing jobs. uh, There are jobs out there, apparently. And uh, and and so it is, I guess, it's not a surprise insofar as, uh, you know, understanding the way we work to find work that fits the ADHD brain is a huge challenge. And we've heard so many stories over the this series of people who really struggle with those red flags and the uh, mm-hmm. and and the way they they integrate and and to the conversation we had with Kurishdini last week this whole idea of being out of sync our brains being out of sync with the artificial structures of work and meetings and those struggles are real and i think that's manifest here in this high unemployment rate of our uh, survey. Of course, it's a small sample size. It is. It is. Measuring in our community. But it's interesting to me. It is interesting. I'm glad you bring that point because I think it's pretty common if we were to look at a broader scale uh, or statistic, it it probably stands true that more ADHDers are going to be unemployed. Yeah. Uh, And I think that part of that, too, from a coaching standpoint, is all of the steps and all of the details and actions that it takes to get a job is really hard and overwhelming, especially if you're coming from a place of um, panic. Right. Like you weren't expecting to be let go or you weren't expecting to be laid off. There's always that like underlying, even if you have a savings or some severance, there's that underlying panic. And Mm -hmm. When ADHDers feel overwhelmed, they shut down. Mm-hmm. And so it may take longer to find a job as well. So it, it, it fits. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, to me too. Um, the, uh, the next question, though, for those who are currently unemployed, what is your current job? And we got a bunch of job titles. and For those broken, currently employed. Yeah, for those currently employed, right. right. And uh, those those job titles generally fall into four broad categories. I, mm-hmm. I think these are interesting. Upper management, a, a, a leader of people, healthcare workers and medical professionals, mm-hmm. therapists and social workers, retail and customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think we, I don't know if we calculated the percentage of those, like what those uh, percentage of responses in those fields, maybe it was too small to, to count. But, um, but I do think that is interesting and, and actually does reflect what would be in my head as the, as the characteristic of work for people who live with ADHD. Yes, absolutely. And I don't know what the order is as far as like what the majority is. Yeah. Um, I know f- I know that in our community, we have a lot of healthcare workers, yeah. a lot of medical professionals. And so that doesn't surprise me at all that, that 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 came up. It absolutely fits, particularly just this idea that, you know, the people who are um, who, who are in our community tend to be I think more introspective about the way they're they integrate with the world in general, and they're curious about it, and they want to hear others' experiences, and they like helping others with their experiences. It just mm-hmm. feels like it fits to me, especially mm-hmm. that healthcare and social work and therapy and customer service. Like it, right. these are the helping, you know, uh, service uh, helping absolutely uh, jobs. Uh, how long have you been at your most recent job? Out of 59 respondents, the answers were fairly evenly split across the board here. 22% more than 10 years. 
20.3% one to two years, 18.6% three to five years, 16.9% five to 10 years. Um, Interesting thing to me is that when you look at the national average, I believe the national average has fallen to four years at a mm-hmm. at a job. And so that that 20 plus 18, right, 38, so 39 percent, nearly 40 percent of respondents are in that uh, sort of one to five year range, which is high. The anomalous is, folks yeah. are the it seem to be the folks who are in that over 10 year job. Like you're very, um, I, I think, lucky to be in that. Uh, a job, unless you're Malcolm Gladwell, who now is saying that we we do our brains good by jumping around a little bit in our careers, like changing careers throughout our lives. Not that notwithstanding, like there's there's new research apparently talking about that, but it just um, boy, it it's curious to me to see how our community reflects that national average as generational differences start to apply to you know career longevity. Absolutely. Yeah. The 22% or, you know, more than 10 years, that was a little surprising. That's pretty high. That's high. I think it's high for anyone, but I think it's really high for ADHDers because it's so easy to get bored or to want to do something different, right? Yeah. That that you're driven to, to move. But I don't think it has the same, like, as you're saying, there's not the same stigma as it used to be years, years ago, where you had to be at a company for your whole life and retire from there. Like, that's not really yeah shopping for a pension yeah yeah anymore yeah um okay what made you apply for your current job now this gets to some of our conversations earlier in this series talking about red flags and things like that um so uh, our general categories many folks were looking for uh something new after losing a previous position going back into the workforce after a period of time off or uh for big changes uh like moving changing states, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we had folks mention uh, data storytelling in the job descri- description, and they had a cool and friendly vibe that seemed authentic instead of forced, right? I so like that. So there's something, that description. So it sounds like this person ne- doesn't wasn't necessarily looking for a new job, but they found this and thought, oh, this looks interesting, which is cool. I mean, that is a nice way of... yeah describing something that yeah for sure yeah and it gets to this next one this person said i created a nonprofit to operate as i wanted instead of always trying to change things from within i also have a consulting firm which i created to work on projects that interest me with people that interest me that is absolutely what i would have expected every single response to be in the adhd community like aspirationally so and i feel like that mirrors what you and i have done right mm-hmm. like just this idea of yeah i mean and it it strikes me as we're talking about this that i've been doing this for more than 10 years too right like right. i fit in that and i never it, it, it i enjoy the work so much that i never really consider how many years are passing <laughs> Right. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, they do keep passing. Um, oh, they do. <laughs> do you like your current job? We're asking folks how satisfied they are. Very few people answered just yes or no. Most people had certain aspects of their job they liked and some that they don't, except for this person, quote, love my job for the first time in my 35 year professional life. 35 years it took of, of runway to find a job that works. Well done. Uh, Those who didn't like their job were asked if they had plans to leave. We had 44 responses. 80% said they had no current plans to leave the job. 
they don't like. I wonder what that's about. What do you think? That was the first comment or bullet point here that really caught my attention. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. 80% said they had no current plans to leave the job they don't like. I don't know what to think about that. There's a part of me that's just really sad about that. Uh, because we spend so much time at work. Um, it's important that we enjoy it. It's important. I mean, I understand the very first comment that you said, every job has mm -hmm. good and bad things. Right. And, uh, you know, that that's just part of anything. Um, but yeah, it did surprise me that it was so low. And I don't know, I can make assumptions, uh, you know, of you're comfortable. So the thought of moving is a little scary. Um, I, I actually, I would, I would say probably not comfortable. And the thought of moving is scary, is scary. right? That the the yeah. whole, uh, like this idea of confronting the fear of change that, you know what, I have a job right now and I hate, might hate the job. I might really despise the job. But the idea of trying right. to find a job that I feel like I can get in an uncertain job market is too paralyzing for me to yeah. make a leap. I relate to that so deeply, so deeply. Which makes jobs. me wish that there were more uh coaches like shell yeah right that we interviewed a couple weeks ago um where she works with career choice and yeah and with, you know specifically what, with adhd people is shell right Mendes. yeah because yeah. uh it also tells me that you know, they that their support that is needed and that's yes. why i bring that up is that yeah. it's really difficult to do it on your own so what is what are um what kind of support or, or resources do you have to help you because yeah. it makes me sad like we don't want to stay in a job that we don't like so how how do we how do we do that and that's that's the question right that's probably say, a stumbling say, block say again what your mom said to you about jobs my mom love bless your her mom. heart yes when I had graduated from college and I was choosing between two different jobs uh, and she said, basically, she said, your job is just a job. If you don't like it, you can always get a new one. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's kind of what she was trying to say is that it really doesn't, I mean, like choose one, but if you don't like it, you can leave. Yeah, you can leave. And there's a lot of fear in leaving. And there's a lot of work to be done to get a new job, generally. Like getting yes. a new job is a, is a job. Uh, and you have to treat it like that uh, yes. every day, constantly to figure that out. But there is there is some truth to that. And I don't say that with any like any subtextual smugness like there. It's it's just uh, it's just a real thing. And I just want to shout from the rooftops. There's always some sort of opportunity. There's some sort of opportunity out there. I believe it. And I have to believe it. I have you to. Have believe to it. Because if you don't, then the choice goes away. And when we don't have a choice, then we really are stuck. Yeah. And we don't want our choices. I absolutely get what you're saying here. You have to believe that. Yeah. There, Spotify uh, laid off 200 people in their podcasting uh, 
uh, infrastructure just as we're recording this, like the news is just sort of breaking. And they've integrated a couple of businesses that they acquired, Gimlet and Parcast. They're all being merged into Spotify Studios. And it's really generally bad for the good and talented people who were acquired into Spotify and are now laid off. But I started reading some of those, uh, some of the comments of people who have been laid off. And they all go something like this. Like, we love our work and we love doing what we're doing. And this place is on fire. And I was just... I was just holding my breath until I was laid off and could get some sort of severance out of it. Like, I am trapped here. I don't feel like I have any choices. And I know the end is coming. So I'm going to just ride it out. There is so much like, I, on, on one hand, I absolutely understand the idea that you need to accept this like, fate like you read the tea leaves you you know about a big company that you're working for you can you can keep up with the news if you choose to um and i feel like maybe it's easier if you know that that if you have a high degree of confidence that that ultimate end is coming to just like numb your brain a little bit and do the job until it's over sure but i don't want to i don't want to let that that vibe go without saying like that is like emotional entrapment like that yeah. that is like there's only so this is why like uh wildland firefighters i think they can only work 14 straight days without a break because it's incredibly traumatic to actually do that work that that mm-hmm. hazardous work like you have to give yourself a break and so uh, not that i want to compare wildland firefighting to podcasting there is no comparison <laughs> to those things and i regret any implication that there is uh but there is um but but i think it's important to just note to to be able to to think about the damage you might be doing to your body and to yourself um by sitting in some place that is you know in a in a state of trauma absolutely well and I just think of the people that I've talked to over the course of, you know, many years with coaching about uh, their mental health and and being burnt out and, you know, this pressure of having to work after hours and on the weekend and catching up. And it's like, at some point, you know, as, as our one of our favorite guests, Casey Dixon says, you know, something has to change. Something has yeah. to change. And at some point you have to decide if, is it worth it to, to stay uh, or is it better to walk away? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is not easy because like we've said, there's a lot of, a lot of pieces to that. Yeah. Right. Uh, transitioning now to past yes. jobs. We, we asked this, uh, this question, number of jobs you've had in the last 10 years. We had 63 responses out of our, all of our respondents. And it was a, a two, uh, we had two people, uh, or we had 20.6% of the people who said they had two jobs. And then a three-way tie uh, at just about 16%. One, three, and four. In the last 10 years, one job, three jobs. We, we know who the one job people are, 22% of them. Uh, three <laughs> jobs and four jobs. Uh, everybody else responded between five and 10 jobs in the last 10 years. Five and 10 jobs. And I wonder, I'm, I'm actually curious about this, like the impact on, um, the, you know, the impact on jumping around jobs, knowing that the general tenure of, you know, how long we're at jobs is shrinking, is there a negative impact on the bottom end, like finding that you're jumping too quickly? Because there is another side to this, like um, to sitting in trauma. And the other side is like, am I doing everything I need to do 
to adapt to a workplace that I might have too high expectations for. And if I were to able to adapt myself a little bit, I might actually find some joy here. Um, and, and I look at, okay, um, I look at some of my kids' friends who are like, they're just starting out. Yeah. And their expectations of jobs are so high. Like, they're yeah. so high. Yeah. Like, I, I, my first job was terrible. <laughs> a terrible <laughs> job. But it was fantastic. Like, I have some incredible right. memories about some of my earliest jobs. And yet, um, they were also terrible, objectively bad. Right. And you, I, I, I don't know, I think maybe I'm just old. Uh, but I feel like those are the jobs that you start with. You just learn to right. work by starting with with kind of junky jobs. I don't know. What's your what's your sense of that? Does that make any sense? It does. It does. And I, you know, I think that's a fair point. Uh, I read something and it really and I, I'm going to mess this up, but it said something like, don't compare yourself to somebody that's been in their job for 10 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't. And, and I looked at it as kind of being entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs, like don't compare mm-hmm. yourself to another person if they've been in the business for 10 years right? and you're just starting out, like you're not going to be right where they are. Like there's a lot of lessons still to be learned. Right. Yeah. And, and you yeah. have to learn those on your own and, um, and, and figure out what those are. So, yeah. Uh, but I think as, you know, as we were saying, so many people are are contractors and they do have different jobs and they do move around. It's just a little bit more of what you see mm-hmm. now. Um, I liked what some of their favorite past I jobs know. were. I wanted to I wanted to ask you first before we jump in there. Do you have fav- any favorite past jobs that were particularly noteworthy? Well, my first job was at Mrs. Fields Cookies. And oh, I loved good. the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and Mrs. Fields was always like catty corner from Cinnabon. Like if you're like, yeah. there's always something. Right? There's always something. Oh. And, and there was uh, there was always so much. I hate to say this. I Hopefully they've changed it. I don't even know if they're even still a business, but there was always a lot of waste. And mm-hmm. uh you know, the people that I worked with, we didn't let that go to waste. We brought it home. We took it mm-hmm. to our families and our friends. And, and, uh, but no, that was, that was my very first job as like a job job. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but I haven't had a whole lot of jobs. I mean, it, it, I tended to stay, like I stayed in the same job all through college as a part time person. Yeah. And yeah. So, I haven't had a lot of experiences like what we've seen yeah. here. What about I, you? I, I had two about two weeks as a busboy at an Italian restaurant that looked like a train. That was a terrible experience. And oh. I, I actually don't think I ever quit. I may still work there. I think really? I just You're still going. on payroll? Yeah. I think I just stopped <laughs> right. going. It was not a good it was not a good environment and I did not like that work at all. And I think I just ADHD'd my way right out of there. <laughs> You're so rationalized. You know what's so funny? I just have to interrupt you for a second. Please. So my daughter's looking for a, a summer job and she was a barista for a couple of years and and she wants to be like a hostess or a waitress. And mm-hmm. I said, well, what about like retail? Cause I always wanted to go into retail and, and I knew she could get, you know, she can get a job in retail easily. Um, but she's like, oh no, I don't want to work retail. But it's <laughs> so funny to me how I didn't want to work in the food service. 
I really yeah. only wanted to work in retail. And yeah. she's so opposite. She has yeah. does not want anything to do with people and their clothes, <laughs> but will, you know, is happy to serve them uh, with food and work in food. So I don't know. It's weird. I want we to all tell have you our own. Yeah. Things. I need to tell you something you don't know about me. I fold a mean shirt. Well, I believe that, yeah. actually. Crisp. Crisp <laughs> folds. After my after my uh, illustrious busboy career, I got to work at the uh, Manitou and Pikes Peak Cog Railway, and I started in the parking lot, parking cars, and then I moved into the ticket office selling tickets, and then I sold some hot dogs, and then eventually I got on the trains, and I was a conductor in the shop, and so and that was my. I mean, to this day, maybe my favorite job I've ever had. Not sustainable, totally right. seasonal, but I got to be on stage. And I was the guy holding the mic in the middle of the train, giving the tours. On yeah. your two seat side, you have this on your three seat side, you might see a marmot, you know, like I could I gave the history of the train and I loved it so much. The downside of that job was the vomit. There was so much vomit. Oh, because geez. at the top of the mountain, people would ride for three hours and 10 minutes to the top of this mountain. And they would get a, uh, they'd get donuts, these fried donuts at the Pikes Peak gift shop on the top at 14,000 feet. And they would just jam donuts down their gullet. And then they'd get on a train and descend from 14,000 feet to about 7,000 feet. And invariably, once we hit tree line, they throw up. And we had this stuff called Voban. And I know I'm triggering somebody out there who has worked in travel who knows Voban, which is, has a particularly acerbic scent. But you pour it on vomit, and it turns the vomit to powder that you can just sweep up on the oh, floors. And it is the worst. It is the worst. Kids all over themselves. It is, it, that is my most horrible job that I have ever, ever done. But I loved it. I loved it so much. I got. To, I mean, I learned how to how to work on Cummins diesel engines. Like I and where I can, was this at? In Manitou Springs, Colorado. In Colorado, okay. Yeah. Wow. It was. That's it crazy. was so sad. Like it was. It was that thing. It was like Empire Records. Like you're with a bunch of people who are your age and the engineers who are just a little bit older than you. Right. And you're just having a blast in beautiful weather and you just enjoy it. And it's not a great job and it didn't pay well. And you have to ingratiate yourself in front of enormously privileged people. And yet it was a fantastic experience for me. Mm -hmm. So I loved it. I was there for several years before I got into (laughs) TV. So um, anyway, so we have Mm -hmm. some equally fantastic responses of of first jobs. Here are some of our favorites. One terrible season at a Halloween store. I imagine that's Spirit Halloween. Are there any others besides Spirit Halloween. Yeah, I don't know of any. No. <laughs> uh, here's here's one. The child protective investigator. How like I can imagine both get it not uh, like not having no idea how to get into that job, and also how do you get out of that job? Like I just feel like there's there it's very complicated uh, emotional bag. Oh, to carry for sure. Uh, and this is okay. So I just want to make sure a favorite of your past jobs, not first job. Right. Favorite. Right. Of past okay. Jobs. I was going to say yeah. that can't be a first job. No. <laughs> you no, no, have no. to have had. Well, especially like this, a jujitsu instructor. Right. I imagine that being enormously satisfying and difficult as a first job. Yeah, exactly. Unless you like grew up <laughs> in a, mon- right. in a like, Tibetan monastery or something. That's uh, right. Dog walker. Oh, that would I be can fun. imagine that one being really satisfying too. Yeah. Uh, director of technical services for a mega church. Wow. Such a, like as a nerd, I can imagine that being really satisfying too. 
Right, like, right. Because you have a built-in audience to test all this kind of new technology all every single week. Yeah, and all the sound and lights and whatever you're doing, yeah. yeah. Gas jockey. What do you think makes gas jockey a favorite pass job? I'm not sure I know what it is. What is a gas jockey? I I, I am. I thought it was somebody, like in the state of Oregon, we can't fill our own gas tanks. And so right. I thought it was that like person. Like a gas somebody attendant? Who's, uh, like a gas attendant. That's what I was making. That's what's in my head. Well, let's Google this. What is a gas? We're doing some real real time research, everybody. Jockey. Please stand by. I'm not taking oh, yeah. this out of the A filling station attendant or gas station attendant. Filling uh, station attendant. My mother still says filling station. That is so funny. Uh, yeah. Is a worker at a full service filling station who performs services other than accepting payment. I imagine so, that's that's not dissimilar from my experience in in at the Cog Railway. Like I imagine yeah. that is like just you end up with a uh, vibe of a bunch of people who a lot of um, different people. Yeah. Yeah. Going yeah, on vacation and, or stress yeah. because they're late because they have to go get gas. That's me. This, <laughs> this one is one that I don't know. This one I legitimately don't understand. The fish room manager. Yeah, it what sounds interesting though, right? I know. What is a fish room <laughs> manager? I'm thinking like, you know, when you go to Petco. Um, yeah. And you see all those fish in all of those uh, aquariums. I'm thinking of that person, that they're in charge of that. Interesting. Is my guess. Um, I you Did you ask Google? Yeah, but the first thing that comes up is a fish room manager, aquarium service yeah. tech. And I don't think that's the same thing. I asked chat gpt oh what and is, what i what get is a fish room manager is a professional responsible for overseeing and managing the daily operations of an aquarium or fish room facility this role may be found in various settings such as public aquariums research institutions or commercial aquarium businesses the fish room manager's key responsibilities typically include fish care and husbandry aquarium maintenance staff management record keeping public education regulatory clients and budget management okay um that's amazing if that is even remotely close to what the fish room manager is here, I would do it. I am so glad what was not included in that last list is anything to do with food service because I like the idea of taking care of fish. Not rather eating than it. Eating them. <laughs> well, you can imagine like all your friends that you would have, like all your little fish friends. Yeah. Totally. I think it would be fun. I that think that is would amazing. be a good job. That would definitely be a good job. Oh, so good. Uh, all right. And this this last person who worked uh, so many fun and interesting jobs. So we're going to put them all in there. We're just going to read And this them. is one person. One person. One oh, person. Oh, I want to talk to this person. I know. <laughs> Bread baker, biotech and fisheries research clerk for Washington State Government, city parks and rec field maintenance, student recreation center employee, assistant camp director, camp naturalist, trip coordinator, camp counselor, barista, college janitorial crew, Christmas tree stacker, shipping clerk for mining company, cafeteria dishwasher, cafe worker, Godfather's Pizza, aquarium volunteer, McDonald's newspaper delivery. That is awesome. An that awesome is a broad... I think I know who that person is. You uh, do? Okay. <laughs> I think I do. And I'm so jealous over uh, uh, many of these. Uh, and I love that this person was so specific to include Godfather's Pizza. Because right. Because there's a real vibe there, too. Godfather's yes. has a special niche. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's great. Fantastic. Uh, next question. Oh, we've been talking about this too long. Here, likes and dislikes of previous jobs. Okay. Most common likes, coworkers, it's the people, people. Yep. Working with and helping people, learning opportunities, 
So development, personal professional development. Most common dislikes, working with the public and customer service. (laughs) Which is funny, right? Because it's also what people like. But I totally get that. If you've ever been in customer service, you you understand that. (laughs) The Uh, love-hate relationship. Toxic work culture. Yeah, I don't like that. No. High pressure, high stress environment. Yeah, I don't like that either. No. Have now, you ever some been, people can yeah. thrive in it because if you oh, look yeah. at like all of our first responders, they're in a high pressure, high stress environment. And I bet if we were to do a survey, you know, many of them probably have ADHD. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been fired from a job? Uh, 63 responses. This surprised me a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Could you count my days as a, I, I never, was never technically fired, but I think I would have been had I ever gone back to my no, you restauranteering. They didn't fire you. You quit. All right. 58.7% of respondents said no, they've mm-hmm. never been fired. And 413 said yes. Right? Is that what interesting? What surprises you about that? I would have thought it'd be re- reversed. Flipped? Yeah. Yeah. You know what doesn't surprise me about it is because uh. I think and this is an assumption. I'm putting it out there. This is just an assumption. Is that in a lot of situations, people think they're like the step where they are status wise is worse than they really are. Mm-hmm. So I think that people feel like their job is in jeopardy when. Uh, they're not on any kind of plan. Remember those PIP plans we talked about? Yeah. Um, and But they're kind of just thinking that things are really unraveling. And so I'm wondering if that's not some of that a little bit. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, and and follow on to that. If you were fired, what happened? The most common response is they're unable to keep up, uh, always late or too many call-offs, emotional dysregulation. I just would have imagined that that I think that's the that's the pair, right, is that more people who are struggling with ADHD would have had the ADHD impact their um, their tenure at a particular job or function than is in our set of respondents. I I think that's that is a reason for great optimism. Right. Like that's wonderful. That's wonderful news. Okay, so at work, have you ever asked for accommodations at work? 63 responses, 66.7% said no, 33.3% said yes. I I kind of hope we're we can change that a little bit. I hope people at work are are less afraid to ask for accommodations that they need, but as Kurosh Dini said last week, like asking for uh, accommodations doesn't mean outing yourself with ADHD. Exactly. You don't have to tell ADHD. You just have to ask for what you need at work. And I think it's it's okay to do to do that. So that's and, a really good point. If you reframe that, it's not that you're saying, have you disclosed your ADHD? Have you yeah. asked for accommodations without labeling the reason why? Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a difference. And hopefully that would go up if that's how we're looking at it, for sure. Right. Types of those accommodations, most common responses, flexible schedule, outstanding, headphones or quiet working environment, regularly scheduled check-ins with supervisors, those three. So asking, I mean, I, I actually, speaking of asking what you need, like getting something to give you uh, the right work environment and getting more feedback. Like I love that yes. that's the most common because that is a that is another thing I might not have expected. This idea that once you're feeling not great about a job that you're unwilling or afraid to ask for the kind of feedback that would help steer you in the right direction. It is enormously satisfying to see one of the most popular answers be 
I want more check-ins with my supervisors. I want more guidance. And I think we can learn from that. I agree. Here's the specific question, though. 63 responses to, have you ever disclosed your ADHD in the workplace? 52.4 said yes. 25.4 said no. Many others said no, but qualified this was because they have only recently been diagnosed with ADHD. So we have another essentially, you know, 20 some odd percent of people who didn't disclose, but it's because they have new diagnoses. Like they maybe right. they haven't disclosed yet. I think they're, that split is, is kind of unknown. So um, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Any insights there? Any thoughts? I feel like after our conversations about disclosing ADHD, uh, we've talked about that a bunch. No, and I, I think it just agrees to the next question. Would you recommend yeah. that others disclose their ADHD in their place of work? And uh, out of 60 responses, 63% said maybe. Many agree that this should be assessed on a personal case-by-case -case basis. And I think that's yeah. very true. I mean, you really, there is no right answer to this. Yeah, I think that's a really fair assessment. And and before this series, I might have been more on the side of the yeses, like just just get it out there because it's a part of our identity and let's right. own that. And uh, that's because that's my bias. And I work in a place of privilege of being able to, you know, call my own shots with my mm -hmm. own company. And I don't I think my opinion has been changed. I'm very firmly in the maybe. Right. Uh, yes. It has to be assessed personally. And it's interesting to me that we had such a low number of respondents either on the no and the yes or the yes category. We had 11.7% said you should not disclose your ADHD and 8.3% said yes, disclose your ADHD. And both of those numbers are smaller than I would have expected. Yes, I agree. I agree. That was when a little were, surprised to see the maybe yeah. so high. Yeah. For sure. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? All right, Nikki, first, quick, you. Retail? Veterinarian. Okay. <laughs> Hands down, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Yeah. Until I figured um, out, like, what that really meant. Like, you don't just work with animals. You have to help, like, fix the animals. And then yeah. that means that the animals are sad and they're hurt. Yeah. And that would make me sad. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to. I, uh, I, I, when my, my, uh, I think of my son, I had this conversation with my son when he was very small and he also at, at, for a brief time wanted to be a veterinarian, but decided against it when he realized he didn't just get to work with cats right. because I think he thought he was a catrinarian and, uh, turns out that he has more, there's, you have horses and frogs and all kinds of things yeah. you have to work with. So, Rabbits. Um, Yeah. I, for me, it was a paleontologist for sure. Like I was a, I was just a complete bozo for dinosaurs. Um, Isn't that what in, Ross is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On Friends, yeah. I don't know what you're saying right now. No, I just think that's funny because <laughs> that's the only reason why I knew what that was. Yeah. <laughs> That was totally me. And my bedroom was adorned with those like wooden, like those balsa wood th puzzles that you you pull out and you build like the skeletal structure of a dinosaur. I yes, had all yeah. of them hanging. Oh, I had them everywhere. And then I wanted to be a Starfleet captain. So for a while, that was fun. Um, we have uh, most common responses. Artist, dancer, actor, veterinarian, zoologist, entomologist, or writer. What's an entomologist? Bugs. Bugs. All right. That makes sense, kind of. Some of our favorite responses, a dog, a jeweler. A dog. I, they wanted to yeah. be a dog. I love that. <laughs> I want to be a dog, too. 
<laughs> me too. Um, a jeweler. I wanted to be an arson investigator. I got a gender-related ultimatum. No daughter of mine and disowning was threatened. Ugh. So I stopped pursuing it. Uh, that Melissa editorializes in our notes here. Yeah. This one made me sad, but I also thought it sounded so cool. What an awesome kid they must have been. I raise my glass to that comment. Absolutely true. Um, deep sea diver, nun, pilot, stunt woman, actor, veterinarian. I have been none of those things, but going freelance gave me the headspace to be a stand-up comedy poet and start my own comedy acapella band. My God. I feel like I just met my spiritual sister. Oh, wow. All well, of and what does Melissa say about this? Melissa says, I don't know who this is since these were all anonymous, but I want to know more about this person and ask them to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think whoever this person is, you guys, yeah. whoever you are, you already have two best friends in Pete and Melissa. Yeah, uh, 100%. Immediately. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> One of my favorite movies as a kid was Hooper with Burt Reynolds and he and and uh uh, what's his name? A pilot. He was the pilot on uh, Airwolf, Jan Michael Vincent. And they, it was about stunt people. And it was my favorite movie ever. I think I also, I'm going to throw in after paleontologist, I must have wanted to be a stunt person because it was all about driving, like just stunt drivers. And uh, it was an extraordinary, cool. nobody has heard of this movie. And even in my circle of movie nerds, nobody knows about this movie. And yet I hold it in such high esteem because it captured all of the vibe that I needed in my life at that time. So I absolutely relate. And to right. need I say acapella? Yeah, I'm, I'm that. Oh, um, 100% that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody, this was so much fun. I Do you have any closing thoughts, Nikki? Uh, anything it, you, it's you great. gleaned and from this? No, I think, you know, it. it uh, I was so curious about all of these things. And I just really appreciate everyone uh, that you, you know, took the time to, to fill it out, like you said earlier at the very beginning. And, uh, and I know we'll do more stuff on jobs because it's just such a huge part of our lives. Oh, I know. I know. And and this has been actually such a rewarding, uh, a, a rewarding series for me personally. And it sounds like from people listening. So I'm, I'm really excited that we've, uh, we've done it and excited to do more. And that actually wraps it up. That's the end of season, whatever season this is 26. Oh, my goodness, we've been doing this a long time. So Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show. We sure appreciate your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you back here next season, right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.